0: never gets killed <laughs> dreamland namaste and shalom iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend thank you all very very much for tuning in once again to another broadcast of beyond top secret texan podcast i am the beyond top secret texan broadcasting to you from the third coast the coast with the most the gulf coast of texas that's right the lone star state Broadcasting to you an episode, this time, however, focused on our neighbors to the south. Traditionally, our, in many ways, our ancestor, and in modern history, our political, you know, predecessor, and in many ways, a colonizer of this area just like the United States culture is both equally foreign to this great majestic land that has been traditionally known anthropologically speaking as the greater Yucatan Going from the Yucatan Bay, from Yucatan, Mexico, stretching all the way on the coast of the Gulf of Mexico, up towards Florida, and including the entirety of the Florida Keys, all of the Caribbean, etc. Sharing a singular lifeblood, a singular cultural vibe, a singular spirit, known as the Greater Yucatan. And so while a separate nation with a separate language anyone who's actually been here long enough to look around and speak to the people and travel both sides of the border Mexican and American would know that there is surprisingly more similarity with the people and cultures that surround the Gulf of Mexico regardless of nationality, language religious or ethnic identification because the environment shapes a special very beautiful brilliant harmony and creates a class of person that is unique and found nowhere else on the world. Just like Mediterranean Ocean produces Mediterranean people, regardless of Middle Eastern, North African or Southern European heritage, the connection to the Mediterranean unites Cypriots, Greeks, Italian, Spanish, French, Moroccan, Tanzanian, Libyan, Egyptian, Israeli, Syrian, Lebanese, all those cultures. Just like the Gulf of Mexico unites the United States, Mexico, Cuba, Venezuela, all of the Caribbean nations And all the peoples, be they black, white, various Native American tribes identified as Hispanic, European, travelers, who have chosen to live here, or whatever intelligent life form may choose in the future, To colonize here. That being said, I want to today focus on Mexican folklore and culture, cryptids, and other conspiratorial things, subjects that I always talk about, but in the American and Texas perspective. But I want to speak about the Mexican, specifically Mexican, cultural legacy. The hero, uh, not the heroes, the uh, hero's journey, as it were. And nowadays being able to assert themselves as a leading, leading nation in the world when it comes to culture. And that their folklore deserves to be taught in America, deserves to be taught in the English speaking world, deserves the respect that other cultures get for their legends, for their myths, for their cryptids, for their conspiracies, for their paranormal history. And that more English speaking Western I guess you call it North Hemisphere type people and Productions, worlds should spend a lot more time actually going to Mexico and exploring Mexico. For example, Ghost Adventures should do an entire season in Mexico exploring Mexican locations, haunted houses, ch- cathedrals, churches, locations. However they may present themselves, urban, rural, because it's respect. It's a respect and a, an a understanding of equality. Not everything is in the United States. The world doesn't revolve around the United States. In fact, last time I checked, the United States is only a small fraction of a much larger world. And there is no shame in being curious and extending a very friendly hand to honestly a very friendly neighbor as a culture, cultural neighbor to the South one that the United States has had really, really good cultural traditions and and relationships with for for as long as history began. And yes, there have been wars, there have been um, conflicts, and there are currently conflicts now, but, you know, the Wild West is that. So, in in perspective, we've had excellent relations with Mexico compared to um, even nations like Japan, or, or nations like Russia, for example. So, you know, Mexico is not like as bad as you would think it is. Or what you've been told it is. In fact, immigration isn't like you think it is at all. With most Mexicans not being the immigrants, but rather Central American nations. And dictatorships. Generally socialist dictatorships. So yeah, let's get on with the presentation. We're going to be reading an iceberg, and I'll be going through the uh, segments. So we have very little time to waste and spare. Let me lay it out there for you. Link tree slash beyond top secret Texan. Link tree slash beyond top secret Texan will bring you to all my links, social media, etc. that you can follow and enjoy. I have Instagram. I love it. I post there every day, and that posts to my Twitter, so you can also check out the Twitter. But I know no one does. Twitter sucks. Waiting for my Tooth Social to get pulled up. When I do, it's Beyond Top Secret Texan on there as well. Cash App is the way to donate to me as a podcast. I would like to really, really stress that a lot that Patreon is no longer working with me and I am no longer working with patreon cash app beyond top secret Texan all one word lowercase cash app any contribution would extremely help me out right now I am in a very rough patch economically as little as a dollar donated to me will help me uh survive keep this podcast going full-time As well as continue to pursue goals of creating full length documentaries complete with scripted, uh, you know, conversations, interviews, special effects, etc. Visual aids that will be, uh, you know, available hopefully later on this year over certain subjects that I feel would be best represented as a documentary. That was one of the plans I had going into 2022. I also need to manage and run this operation legitimately, so still have fees on paperwork regarding the officiation of an LLC, as well as the creation of professional media, as in terms of business cards, uh, handable merchandise, etc. I have a merch store, so if you guys contribute to the merchandise that we're continually designing, and producing and handing out to you people for interesting designs, new designs every month. Check out the merch store. It's all on Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. It's not something for nothing. We have merch. We have uh, all different kinds of items from cell phone covers, t-shirts, long sleeves, short sleeve, men's, women's, caps, hats, fanny packs, all of that good shit. Mugs, cups, pillows... I mean, exactly. We have like hundreds of different combinations of items and designs. You can totally check it out there. It's Linktree slash beyond top secret Texan, and go check it out. You know, not while you can because you know, but hopefully go check it out. Support me. Uh, thank you in advance for being so kind. But you can wear it loud, wear it proud. You can wear uh, one of a kind, very unique, very awesome designs for merchandise. So if you're going to college, wear it around campus, get people talking, get the girls looking. If you're wearing it at the office, be subversive, but be very, you know, uh, clandestine about it. Not, not shouting it and getting yourself in trouble, but, you know, that, you know, seeing if you can spark a conversation. If you're wearing it out, uh, just socially. Let people at the party know you're a pretty fucking uh, crazy and fun guy and have, you have know a lot of cool things to say when you're wearing your meme shirt about conspiracy theories, aliens, cryptids, and various other mysteries. You know, maybe wear your beyond-top-secret-Texan-branded hoodie out and uh, you see a little pretty girl or a pretty uh, studly dude in, in the grocery store and then they're like, hey, what's up? I listened to that too. And boom, you know, it's Kesmet. That's how, that's how you, you're, it's, or you're telling your grandkids, you know, how, how grandpa and grandma met, you know, but it all starts today by going to that merch store, <laughs> so go out to Linktree, slash Beyond Top Secret Text, and check out the merch store, and if you want to donate a dollar, $2, $3 for links regarding my various social media uh, exploits, etc., that directly sent to you, as well as just a little heads up, like, hey, I threw a little something in the cookie jar, I like the way you speak, I like what you're speaking about It resonates with me, keep it going $1, $5, $10, $20 Low denomination Unmarked bills, please And they can all virtually be sent to me Through Beyond Top Secret Texan. If you also want to engage me With some kind of like offer for a crypto exchange Or something like that uh, I don't really deal in crypto But I know it's worth something So if you're going to give me a bitcoin or whatever yeah, Hit me up, we'll figure it out Thank you all very, very much uh, in advance for supporting me and this show. Which I'll get right on to. I'll get right back to. <coughs> First, chupacabras. The chupacabra are chupacabras. Which is Spanish, literally, the goat sucker. From the Spanish chupar to suck in cabras, goats. Is a legendary creature in the folklore parts of Americas, as well as Latin American and Hispanic speaking uh, society. First reported sightings reported in Puerto Rico in 1995. The name comes from animals reported vampirism. The chupacabra is said to attack and drink the blood of livestock, including Goats. It's been cited in Puerto Rico, Mexico, and the United States, from Florida to the West Coast. Region, the Caribbean, chiefly Puerto Rico. Central and South America, centrally Mexico. North America, chiefly Southwestern United States. The physical descriptions of the creature vary, with some describing it to be more dog-like, that's all bullshit, while most others describe it as reptilian and alien-like, that's all real, in Puerto Rico and Latin America. Some report it as being a heavy creature the size of a small bear, with a row of spines reaching from the neck to the base of the tail. Sightings have been reported in Puerto Rico since 1970s, with this creature has since been reported as far north as Maine, as far as south as Chile. And even outside the Americas in countries like Russia and the Philippines. All of the reports are anecdotal and have been disregarded or corroborated or lacking evidence. Sightings in northern Mexico and the southern United States have been verified as canids affected with mange. He said that the dogs are all bullshit. According to authorities, the creature remains an urban legend. La Llorona. In Mexican folklore, La Llorona, American Spanish, Llorona, the weeping woman or the wailer, is a vengeful ghost who roams waterfront areas mourning her children whom she drowned. The legend is a wide variety of details and versions. In a typical version of legend, a beautiful woman named Maria marries a rich ranchero, a conquistador, who, whom she bears two children. One day, Maria sees her husband with another woman, and in a fit of blind rage, she drowns her children in a river, which she immediately regrets. Unable to save them, and consumed by her own guilt, she drowns herself as well, but is unable to enter heaven forced to be in purgatory and roam this earth forever until she finds her children. In another version of the story, her children are illegitimate and she drowns them so that her father cannot take them away to be raised by a new wife. Reoccurring themes and variations of the La Llorona myth include a white wet dress, nocturnal wailing, and an association with running water. the Nahul. In Mesoameric folk religion, a Nahul, pronounced Nahul, is a human being who has the power to shapeshift into their total animal counterpart. Nahulism is tied to the belief no one can access power and spiritual insight by connecting or only by connecting with an animal within. The word is an indigenous Nahal word which means magician. It has become known as a synonym for shapeshifter or trickster. Nahuls use their power for good or evil according to their personality. The general concept of Nahulism is pan-mesoamerican. Nahulism is linked with pre-Columbian shamanistic practices through the pre-classic Almec and Toltec depictions that are interpreted as human beings transforming themselves into animals. The system is linked with the Mesoameric calendrical system used for divination rituals. Birth dates often determine if a person can become a Nahul. Mesoameric belief in tonalism, wherein every person has an animal counterpart to which his life force is linked, is drawn upon by Nahulism. It is a trait acquired at birth. A Alibrejes are brightly colored Mexican folk art sculptures of fantastical, mythical creatures. The first alabrejes, along with the invention of the term, originated with Mexico City cartonero Pedro Linares. Linares often told that in 1943 he felt very ill, and while he was in bed unconscious, he dreamed of a strange place resembling a forest. There, he saw trees, rocks, clouds, and suddenly turned into something strange, and some kind of animals, but unknown animals to him, appeared. He saw a donkey with the butterfly wings, a rooster with bullhorns, and a lion with an eagle head, and all of them were shouting one word, Alabrejes, Alabrejes, Alabrejes. Before this happened, he was already a cartonetto artisan. Upon recovery... He began recreating the creatures he had seen in the cartonero. He made three-dimensional sculptures with different types of paper, strips of paper and engrudo, glue made out of wheat flour and water. His work caught the attention of artists Diego Rivera and Frito Kahlo because they used to purchase Judas figures from Pedro Linares. And the 1980s British filmmaker Judith Brodonsky arranged itinerant Mexican art craft. So basically it's piñatas. They're really, really complex and uh, beautiful, cryptid-inspired, or fantasy creature-inspired paper mache piñatas. Aluxus. An Alux is a type of sprite or spirit in the mythological tradition of certain Mayan people, from the Yucatan Peninsula and Guatemala, also called chenake or chinik by the Nahuatl people. Aluxub are conceived of as being small, only about a knee high, and in appearance resembling miniature traditional dressed Maya peoples. Tradition holds that Alexub are generally invisible but are able to assume physical form for the purpose of communicating with and frightening humans as well as the congregation. They are generally associated with natural features such as forests, caves, stones, and fields but can also be enticed to move somewhere through offerings. Their descriptions and mythological role are somewhat reminiscent of other sprite-like mythical entities in a number of other cultural traditions such as the Celtic Leprechaun as their tricks they play are similar. Some Maya believe that the, are, or the Alexis are, call, sorry. are called into being when a farmer builds a little house in his property, most often in a maize field. For seven years, the Alexis will help, them, uh, help the corn grow, summon rain, and patrol the fields at night, whistling to scare off predators or crop thieves. At the end of seven years, the farmer must close the windows and doors of the little house, Sealing the Aelux inside. If this is not done, the Aelux will run wild and start playing tricks on people. Some contemporary Maya even consider the single and double story shrines that dot the countryside to be Katal Aelux, the house of the Aelux, although their true origins and purposes are unknown. If they are treated with respect, they can be very helpful. The word dwindé is sometimes used interchangeably with alux. El-kakui. el otherwise known as the cocoa or the coca, it's a mythical ghost monster equivalent to a boogeyman, found in many Hispanophone and Lusophone countries. It can also be considered the Iberian version of a bugbear, or a boogeyman, as it is commonly used to figure a speech representing an irrational or exaggerated fear, with the connotation of frightening, frightening a child. The Kukui is a male being, while Kuka is a female version of the mythical monster. The monster will come to the house of a disobedient ch- a child and make them disappear. It originated in Portugal and Galicia. The word cocoa Which is why we get the word coconut is not originally associated with cacao, beans, or coconuts, but rather the human skull, and rather means round. Cocoroutou is Portuguese meaning the crown of the head, the highest place on the head, and with the same etymology in Galicia, crocao means head, crocao, the variant crocoa, it all means head. Skull is from the word call, which is the Cornish Krogan or pronunciation of cuckoo. So the cuckoo is a skull. Brazilian folklore represents the monster as having the body of a human woman and the head of an alligator or crocodile. That is the end of the first tier. The second tier. And this is going to be one, two, three, four, five, five tiers. So this is the second tier. Tier two begins with El Charo Negro. El Charo Negro is a supernatural being of Mexican folklore, originally from Cholula, Puebla, who has had appearances throughout various locations in Mexico, such as Morales, Xochimilco, Tapan, San Andreas, Totopec, Veracruz, Hidalgo, Tiaxical, among other states of the Mexican Republic. The current version links the black chato with representation of the devil, However, its appearance dates from the time of the conquest of Mexico. Unlike other supernatural beings who seek to terrorize populations wandering the streets of Mexico City uh, or show their pain of losses in their past, the black chara represents a punishment of moral crimes. Basically, the Mexican men in black. Linked with the god Tamazi Taruru Yahweh, and known by the Mexicas as Senor del Chero, the patron of the place, known as a caretaker of a region, uh, usually a mountain. At first, not having any general aspects and being supplicated with orige- or with um, offerings of cigars, mezcal, and food. Eventually, in 1930, near the Rio de Atake, Atayac, at the height of what is now the Old Bridge of Mexico, which contains some gates named by a man named Francisco, one night near dawn, Francisco went to the gates to carry out his daily routine. However, when looking at the riverbank, he could observe a tall person wearing a charro suit to which he did not give the greatest importance. This event continued to repeat itself until several stories began to emerge from the inhabitants of the town. The black charro is described as a handsome young man dressed as an elegant black charro suit that is riding on a, black jet, or a jet black horse with a white complexion, tall, warm, friendly, and with a pleasant smile. The black Char represents punishment. That is why he tempts his victims to make them fall and thus gives them punishment. This is known since the black charo only appears before men who transgress the moral order. Drunkards, disobedient children, adulterous husbands, greedy people, murderers, etc. La Moria. La Moria House is the most haunted house in Mexico. Mexico City holds a building so sinister, the owners have painted it completely black. This building is known as La Moria House, and is thought by many to be the most haunted house in the entire country of Mexico. Sitting in the San Miguel-Campo area, this ominous house has amassed a serious amount of legends, which all seem fitting to the home's spooky appearance. The Hauntings of La Mora House. The most widely told paranormal story of La Mora House is one that is devastating, uh, devastatingly depressing. It focuses on a young boy named Marcus, who supposedly paid a visit to the house when he was 8 years old. At this time, the house was abandoned and Marcus' curiosity got the better of him. Upon entering the now notorious dwelling, Marcus witnessed something that would stick with him and scarred him for the rest of his life. in one of the bedrooms he witnessed a disturbing apparition hanging from the ceiling and that has been the most famous sighting of the house is a hanged man routinely and consistently seen in one of the bedrooms of the house La Moria house La Mano the hairy hands, this is a boogeyman story and a boogeyman figure. Sorry about that. I had to scurry away a cat. Sorry about that. Sam Cat almost knocked down all my equipment a few minutes ago. The motto Paluda is a boogeyman figure. It translates to the hairy hands. And like an irrational fear, is told to disobedient children, are typically uh, juveniles of a family, in order to, in order to frighten them and to exaggerate the terrible fates that befall any kind of um, disobedience in the future. The traits that separate that and the Kikui k- are slim to none. It seems to be a regional. ...and modernization of the Kikui myth. Layuska. Now, Layuska, I did not find any real evidence for this, like any English evidence for this that I could have translated. At least not easily. But the Layuska myth appears to be the story of an old shaman, old witch lady, a crone who lives in a lake, or a pond, and she's very much the woman of the pond, or a bog hag, or a swamp hag type figure, where people, because there's a lot of swampy, and lagoon, and freshwater, shallow lakes, like reed areas, slow rivers, swamps, and all that stuff in, the, in Mexico, it's very understandable to have a bog hag or a crone of the swamps. Someone who is experienced and wise, maybe with clandestine or illegal like uh, knowledge, heresies, etc. That lives literally in the, the old primordial areas of your region. And you have to take this kind of treacherous journey to find this hideous creature... Uh, for you know whatever evil purposes black magic purposes etc that you want her to help you out with very much a Anto- uh, a madame laveau sorry a madame laveau voodoo queen type situation where you're like it's a it's a swamp it's really isolated and there's this woman but she's like hideous and monstrous and ugly and that's why she's out there and, and exactly the whole thing kind of like adds onto itself That's La Yuska. El Empuado. El Empuado. The impudent... The impudent... Not impotent. The impudent. The angry. The pissed off. Um... Is a collection of... I guess you would call it negative... Like, scary stories. But they're... They're more about, like, the traditional folklores and cultures... And just like how we associate fear and fright and terror with our ancestral spirits and cultural myths, uh, monsters, etc., that Mexico usually associates anger. And if you haven't already gathered from like La Llorona, uh, what makes a person a ghost is anger, uh, rage. Um, shit like that And the supernatural world Is not a world of fear It's it's not a world of terrorizing people But it's a world of anger And resentment And rage And, um... and So yeah Also a lot of the monsters that we've covered so far a lot of the cryptids Are more geared to society And how society interacts Or how they're, they're geared to interact with society Typically It's like either someone has done something wrong But in the case of um, El Chupacabra It's a natural phenomenon it's like, well, it's, That's a Puerto Rican It's not necessarily Mexican Mesoamerican, and Hispanic and Mexican cultural traditions though, Typically revolve around Anger or judgment or justice And the stories are collected and uh, they call them Mexiquitos. Myth and Literature, the Mexiquitos. And the El Empuado El was written in 1980. Custom Brismo. And they're myths that precede The foundation of the city of Tecnoctelon So older These myths, the Mexiquitos Are older than the Aztec presence The Aztec empire Being a colonizing empire And not an indigenous one La Monja de la Cathedral. La mona de, de la Cathedral is a very simple uh, myth. It's an urban legend, but it's a ghost story at the same time. Um, it's about a nun in a cathedral, and she appears in a tower in the cathedral, and she's been doing this for hundreds of years consistently to the point that the cathedral um, has stopped... Investigate or stopped allowing people to, to look or investigate because it's such a uh, controversial subject in the church. And that this nun who was very faithful uh, had a romance, and the rumor is that she threw herself from the tower to kill herself because you know the Catholics wouldn't support a romance, or maybe she got pregnant and that would be considered shameful. Uh, or even the guilt of an abortion or uh, what have you, adultery. Somehow this nun felt so bad and so lonely and so sad that she jumped off a tower committing suicide and the Catholic Church is trying to cover it up, specifically because the ghost sightings are there and people have started, you know obviously building the urban legend on her and not the, the Christ and the church's power itself. But also because of any controversies that the investigation may unravel, such as maybe an affair with the priest or abuse within the convent. La Planchada La Planchada is the Iron Lady. The Iron Lady is not what it sounds like or what you would assume when you hear the Iron Lady. That she's not pressed flat or burned or anything, but rather she's a nurse rumored to have uh, killed herself. Once again, anger, uh, rage, emotional regret, romance, a lot of failed, but it's all obviously up for debate the urban legend though is that this ghost woman is a nurse she appears at hospitals she wears a very perfectly ironed uniforms very perfectly ironed white nurses uniforms from traditional Mexican hospitals like from the you know from the day 50s and 60s she appears assists in emergencies helps out sick patients Then leaves without a trace before anyone can ask her any questions or speak to her. And that she does that because she is first to roam the earth because of suicide and the Catholic belief in suicide, you know, preventing you from going to heaven, as well as her emotional baggage of ending her own life and her own career of helping people with medicine too soon based on her own emotional, um, you know, life, etc. And that is the Iron Lady. Phantasmus del Metro. The Phantomas del Metro. this connects to a a, I was just looking it up this connects to a point in the last tier the deepest tier so I'm kind of hesitant to proceed because I don't know how to without kind of giving that away it's basically Ghosts of the um, Subway Ghosts of the Subway trying to find an English translation because my Spanish is not too strong. There's apparently seven, seven very famous ghosts of the metro station. Instead of going to each one of them and trying to look it up, I will leave it at that. The Fantomas, Fantasmas de El Metro. Okay, sorry about that, you keep having these interruptions, because I don't know what's up with these cats. They are not attacking me, but they are causing mischief and mayhem. To no end, I have my recording stuff set up outside on a project house that I'm working on, a back apartment, so I can record and stay out of the wind, because it's extremely windy today. And typically the cats have no business, and there's nothing in here for them, right? Everything is set up in a certain way. And I've been recording out here for a week doing this kind of, like, you know, in the same spot. And now today the cats are... And I have multiple, multiple cats. Like, you know, several of them. And they are all um, trying just to knock over everything. Knock over my drinks, knock over the table and I'm keeping my laptop on. Knock over um, the iPad that I'm recording on. if any one of these things breaks, I would be out severely out of luck because... Um, I don't have the funds to replace them immediately. And this is all essential gear for the production of the show. Yeah, I could adapt and survive and, and work something out, of course. It's not the end of the world, but it would really, really suck. And it's totally unnecessary because everything is set up for them. They don't need exactly see check out where my laptop or what it is and then jump on it and then try to, you know, kick off and act like they don't like have any kind of, uh, you know... Understanding, and they look at me like, oh, no, what are you chasing us out of here for, type thing. It's like, they are obviously just, obviously just trying to test me, but we're going to move on with that. I want the third tier, by the way. Third tier. The Fantasmas del Metro, we covered that. La Bruja de Caracan. Caracan is a city in Mexico. The Bruja de Keukhan is a children-stealing witch. Once again, another children-stealing witch, or a children-stealing apparition involving a woman, much like the La Llorona myth. This Bruja de Keukhan is not associated with La Llorona in our backstory, but is very much similar vibes that she is someone that if you invoke or call or make uh, some kind of deal with black magic forces, will come and take your kids Take. To- you know, take the kids to use and her evil black magic, uh, rituals. El carro Rojo, the red car, the legend of the red car. Uh, everyone in every culture that has cars and fun and racing and people dying in car crashes has some kind of ghost car or car based paranormal events occur Either headlights they can't explain, apparitions of hitchhikers, car travelers, um, etc., right? And this legend of the red car is Mexico's version of that with a red car uh, that has had crashed in the past being seen over and over again in a specific spot going down the road really fast, right? Kind of in a never-ending loop. And it's witnessed by survivors, or not survivors, but strangers as an apparition, as a ghost car. La Cora Rojo. The red car. Rata Gigante de la Linea 3. So, in Mexico City, which is the most populated city in the world, by the way, or in the Western Hemisphere. Most populated city in the Western Hemisphere, Mexico City. Cuerdad de México. They have a subway system. Like all major cities, the subway system is filled with trash and shit, junk, the subterranean world of Mexico City. No matter how they try to keep it clean, you're dealing with miles and miles of line and track and pipe and tube, etc. Rats are a big problem. Rats are a huge problem like they are everywhere. There have been reports of rats in the subway system, specifically in line three of the Mexico City subway system, that are huge, that are much, much larger than you would even think is possible for a rat to get. We are speaking rats the size of motor vehicles. We are speaking rats the size of of donkeys, cattle, etc., that are thousands of pounds, thousands of kilos, that are really long, several meters long, you know, that are powerful, that have been eating, cannibalizing each other, maybe even preying on homeless people. But there has been a history of urban legend. And like we all know, legend is based on fact. In Mexico City, especially in the subway system, especially amongst the homeless people and people who live and work and travel on the subway system, like drivers, etc. Of having seen evidence and are seeing this creature themselves living and surviving deep, deep underground around Line 3, Linea 3 a rat of gigantic size rata gigante de linea 3 Hadas. Hadas are fairies Duendes. fairies your typical sinker bell type fairies you know they fly around they're little like midges they're little uh, sprites gadflies mayflies they fly around blessing and 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 basically attuning to nature l El- Cadejo. El Cadejo El Let us see what El Cadejo is Supernatural character from Central American folklore There is a good white Cadejo And an evil black Cadejo Both are spirits that appear at night to travelers The white one protects them from harm during their journey The black, sometimes a puppet of the devil tries to kill them. The sights of the cadillos are sometimes exchanged according to local tradition. In some places, the, cadillo, the black cadillo is seen as the good one and the white cadillo is the evil one. They usually appear in the form of a large, up to the size of a cow, shaggy dog with burning red eyes and a goat's hooves, although in some areas they have a more bull-like characteristics. According to the stories, many have tried to kill the black Cadejo, but have failed and perished. It is also said that if a Cadejo is killed, it will smell terrible for several days, and that its body will vanish. Some Guatemalan and Salvadorian folklore also tells of a Cadejo that protects drunks against anyone who tries to rob or hurt them. When the Cadejo is near, it is said to bring about a strong goat-like smell. Most people say never to turn your back to the creature because otherwise you will go crazy. Speaking to the cadillo will also induce insanity. The name means chain, and it's sometimes represented of the chain that they drag behind them. There is also a possible explanation. For the Cadejo, means weasel, and it could have been indic- indicative of either behavior, in, in hiding, or their aggression, their tendencies, or their appearance in being diminutive, small and dark. In some cultures, like Guatemala and El Salvador, the Cadejo is represented as a dog. dog-like, but not a transformer, not a werewolf, not a shapeshifter, but rather a type of small dog man. The Awoozaddle. The Awoozaddle. The The Awoozaddle. The spiny aquatic thing, our water dog. It is a large legendary creature in Aztec mythology. It is said to lure people to their deaths. The creature was taken as a mascot by the ruler of the same name and was said to be a friend of the rain gods. The Iwazatl is most likely a water possum, which possesses dexterous hands like a raccoons or monkeys, as well as a prehensile tail. The hand most likely represents this prehensile tail waterproof marbled black-gray fur, and small pointed ears. The conquistador Hornan Cortez once reported to the king of a castle that one of his men had been killed by an Ouzado. The creature is described as being the size of a small dog. With waterproof fur. Its name comes from the propensity of its fur to spike when it leaves the water. The horizontal has hands similar to a monkey's, which are capable of manipulation. Both of its arms... are both... It has arms on its tail... Sorry. It has hands both on its arms and its tail. That's weird. weird. The horizontal was included within Book 11 of the Florentine Codex, which describes it as a very small... Or very like the Tua. A small Tua dog. Small and smooth. Shiny. It is small, with pointed ears, just like a small dog. It is black, like rubber. Smooth, slippery, very smooth, long-tailed. And its tail is provided with a hand at the end, just like a human hand, as the point of its tail. And its hands are like a raccoon's hands, or like a monkey's hands. Oftentimes, it will grab and lure, or, sorry, lure a person with a cry similar to a human baby's. At which point it would seize them and drag them into the water to drown. If a person was considered killed by an Uwazadl, only priests were allowed to touch the body. If a layman were to touch the body, it was said that he would be the Uwazadl's next victim. That's I like I like cryptids more than ghosts, I really do. I like cryptids and physical, you know, biological and or material things. Not ghosts. Ghosts are cool. They're interesting, and for our culture to understand the differences as human humans, the human experience. I believe in ghosts. I know they're real, etc. But yeah. Chanikas. Chanikas. The Chanica, or the Chanikas, the Chanique, are legendary creatures in Mexican folklore. It means those who inhabit dangerous places, or the owners of the house. They are conceived of as a small, sprite like beings, elemental forces, and guardians of nature. Similar mythological beings are common in Mesoamerica and other Latin American folklore traditions, generally referred to in Spanish as Duende. In the folklore tradition of the Yucatan Peninsula, these elementals are known by their Yucatec Mayan name, Alusab. In some contemporary legends, Chaniques are described as children with the faces of old men or women that make people go astray during three or seven days, after which the victims cannot recall having met them or what happened, although it is thought that they were taken by the Chiniks to their home in the underworld, also known as Miklan or Chikinamaklan, through the entrance in a dry Kepako tree. In other cases, these beings attack intruders, frightening them so that their soul abandons their body. If the victim does not recover their soul through a specific ritual, they become ill and die soon afterwards. They may not always be visible to adults but children can generally see them. It is rumored or believed in popular Mexican culture that people who practice satanic rituals are more likely to see Duendes. I couldn't really find anything from this again. This is the tier of many mysteries. And I tried even checking in English, but it just gave me the the translation of what it means in English. It is a Mexican city and a municipality. So I'm assuming it's the many, many ghosts in, uh, sightings specific to this one city. It is in the state of Guanajito. See, exactly. i found more about the state and more about the area it's in, Central, Mer- Central Mexico, next to a volcano, than any of the ghosts or the phantasmus. Fantasmas Del water Del progresso It is a ranching community though It is a rural community So I'm assuming they're like rural cowboy ghosts Okay, three tiers down We are three tiers down Excellent. Now we're at tier four. Almost at the bottom. The last one before the deepest segment of Mexican mythology, modern legend, and all things unorthodox. We begin with El Onza. El Onza. The Spanish name Onza derives from the Latin Lynx. It is a legendary cat species. Equivalent of the English word ounce describing its slender shape. The same word in Spanish is used to describe the snow leopard. There are old texts written by Spanish conquistadors about the onza, but they might refer to the jagarundu, or the the jagarundi, which is also known as onza in many Mexican states. Onca is the Brazilian Portuguese word for jaguar. Pantera onca where a spotted jaguar is known as Onca Pintada, the painted jaguar, and a melanistic black jaguar is known as Onca Prita, otherwise known as the night jaguar. These are real animals occurring as far north as Mexico and possibly into the southwest of the United States, meaning that the Onca may very likely be a unclassified or misclassified wild cat. Legends from history. In one legend, after the Spaniards settled in Mexico, the animal was seen very often, and some unidentified groups of people gave it the name Onza. It is not as timid as the cougar, wrote a Jesuit priest, Father Ignaz Fivercorn. In 1757, he wrote that it ventures to attack, it must be well you must be well on your guard. Another missionary, Father Johann Begart, wrote that an Onza dared to invade my neighbor's mission when I was visiting and attacked a 14-year-old boy in broad daylight. Four years ago, another killed the strongest and most respected soldier in the area when he was on patrol. one was reportedly shot in 1938 and that experts at the site claimed it was not a puma although somewhat resembling a puma Yolte Putsli. Yolte Putsli is a mysterious entity classified as a demon and or avatar of Tezcalipico, who likes to scare men who he goes out to castrate at night, and whose name means the axe at night it is said that this headless being with its neck as if it were a trunk of a freshly decapitated corpse and its chest opened like a small door that closes and opens with each breath it roams in the woods near Teknotiklon making sounds similar to the felling of a tree The legend states who ever listens to him comes to him asking for a favor, riches, courage, and strength or a specific wish that they request may have it granted but to others it only brings poverty and misery. It is said that the more courageous and untamed spirits of his visitor will receive the favors, and the weaker and more cowardly will receive the misfortunes. The way to achieve these favors from, remember, this headless, undead, gored night demon with an open chest cavity that opens and closes every time it breathes. Like a Resident Evil monster. And it has no head, it's decapitated. Now, the only way to get this favor... Remember, and it's out there castrating men. It only goes out to the forest to find men to castrate. You go up to this thing, right? You listen for it. You find it. You go up to this thing. And you rip out its heart. You grab into its chest cavity. Remember, it can't see you or hear you. It doesn't have a head. So I guess it just kind of wanders around and like... You grab into its heart. You reach into its chest, grab its heart, pull out the heart, and then run. Because it will chase you. And if you run until the next morning, it will leave... It will leave something protected and wrapped. Like a gift. Basically a gift. It will leave a gift. And if the gift is something valuable like in exchange for his heart uh, you, will, you will receive riches and your wishes etc and you leave the heart and you take your gift if it's coal or dirt or something shabby um, it means that you will receive misfortune and that it's displeased with you and will curse you because you stole his heart fucking crazy that's terrific El Zulúm. El Zulúm is a jaguar-like form. The Zulúm is often reser- referred to as El Zulúm outside of Mexico, but it is mostly known in Mesoameric or Mayan uh, legacy cultures. It is a large feline creature from Chiapas. Fearsome predators, these creatures are part of the reason the establishment of Balaam and the Akuntans are many Mesoamerican settlements had walls, and were known to prey on anything and anyone indiscriminately. In recent years, there has been some speculation as to the link between Zulam and Nunda, although it is generally thought to be a case of convergent evolution rather than Nunda ending up in Mexico or the Zulam in Africa and then becoming the other creature. Zulam are huge in size and highly magically resistant shaman state that they are impatient and often hungry and will eat whoever they encounter humanity was one of the prey items because they traditionally ate monkeys or they normally ate monkeys with human children and slighter adults being considered mistaken identity And the Zulim themselves being considered rare As breeding pairs Were hardly ever seen It can't be just a solitary predator But that is the Zulim A type of mountain jaguar Of enormous size and stature Like a, like a mountain lion But like an actual lion like a, like a spotted jaguar the size of a lion. And if you've seen jaguars, they're, they're the third largest big cat, but they're far smaller in size than a lion or a tiger. And I, they're about 100 pounds. So I completely understand how intimidating a 400, like a, like a lion or tiger sized jaguar would be. That would absolutely eat, like, whoever they want to eat. Absolutely. The Zulu. El Yargis. El Yargis, or El Yargis, is the one, another one that I couldn't find a lot of information about in English. They are apparently a type of ghost. A type of spirit that lives in a house or a building. And is typically considered like a protector like, like basically a, like a resident of the place and is going to be there for a long time what makes them separate from Duendes or fairies or um, the Chin or the uh, Chiniquistas is that those are all small beings the Jirga from what I can translate is a tall being a tall figure, a tall man a type of slender man or tall shadow man and it's a, generally referred to be a male or masculine spirit, Jerga, And Jerga is like a type of a janitor, basically. Like, you know, he's always out there after hours, will always be at the building. When you leave, he's there still. Get it, like Jerga, he's a janitor. But he's this tall man, and that tall kind of ghost figure versus the short figure are very important to think about. Ovnis DEL PUBLICATEL The OVNIS DEL PUBLICATEL The Ovnis DEL PUBLICATEL Is a very, very awesome Fucking UFO sighting And this UFO sighting Occurred at the PUBLICATEL Volcano And if you actually saw it Because it's hard to describe a UFO sighting It always is If you actually saw it This is a clear as day Filmed on a government webcam Live cam Live-streaming the volcanic eruption and activity of Popacuddle, right, for the local municipality. It absolutely shows a luminous, long cylindrical object, long, much longer than it is wide, obviously, by a factor of like 10, but golden in color, fly with direction and intelligence, Turning, or flying directly at the mountain, but then turning and flying away from the volcano, having seemingly passed straight through it. Of course, the argument can be made that it flew behind it, it's all a matter of perspective. Either way, it's still very clear government footage of an intelligently controlled flying object of unknown, unidentified origin. A-U-F-O. Or as the Spanish call it, ovnis. Otro, or, or basically, uh, what does what does ovni stand for? Hold on a second. Otro vehicular. Oh, what they, what they gonna, oh, ovnis. Because I like ovnis a lot. I like I like the uh, UFOs, ovnis. its object volante non identifica and its french and in spanish or sorry yeah in italian it's Ogeta volante non identificato and in portuguese it's objecto voado Now identificado In Spanish, which is what we're referring to, the ovnis, it's objeto, volador, no identificado. And that is the ovnis of bubble kettle. Although, the Kettle Volcano is a hotbed and, and Mexico itself is a hotbed of UFOs so I actually say that that's the only UFO they've seen that's famous is a g- very big understatement. Mexico City has had hundreds of thousands of UFO sightings in its history. Mexico is probably the most active UFO spot in the world. Also it has the most pyramids. Make connections connect those dots And you'll see that the two are connected, and Mexico has a very, very special place in the destiny of humanity. El Demono Negro, the black demon, is a massive black, great white shark in appearance. shark or sea monster sighted in Baja California in the Bay of Baja or the Baja Bay Sea of Cortez it is seen by local fishermen very frequently and very often and they are the source of most of the sightings and descriptions it is rumored to be a surviving megalodon, but it could be an altogether undiscovered and unknown species of currently living super sharks. It is described as preying on whales, dolphins, other sharks, and the plentiful large squid that exists in the Sea of Cortez. It is rumored to live primarily at the depths and rise to the surface only in dawn and dusk. The Demono del Negro. The Black Devil. Fish. Humanoid Volador del Monterey. The Human... Of the flying humans of Monterey. This is a very, this, this is a specific case, but a very strange phenomenon that is really important. It's like the OVNI UFO phenomenon because it happens so much it's hard to specif- specify which sighting is the best and which one is like the most important. This specific one involved a police officer. It involved a police officer on duty searching and patrolling. Uh, the streets of Monterey, Mexico, which is a major, major metropolitan area, and a witch, he describes in his own report, a witch flying at his car and vehicle, landing on the hood, looking through the windshield so that he got a very point-blank, clear look at this woman, who was a reported just to be a human woman? And then the woman flew away, literally flew away, like a classic animated cartoon witch. Be witch style. This would be an amazing incident and tell by itself if it happened in a isolated, disconnected incident, for a police officer to go on record. Stating that this is what he saw, this is what happened, and then uh, go through the press and the, the the consequences of having reported that. Would have been incredible, right? And, and unexplainable either way. But this is part of a larger trend of dozens and dozens of video recorded, camera captured, verifiable mass sightings of flying humanoids. In southern and central Mexico. Specifically southern Mexico. Or the mountains of Mexico. These are assumed to be traditional brujas. Witches in various black magic cults. Practicing satanic uh, packs. or, Or some kind of dark art. And then gaining the ability to fly. It is also associated with UFOs. But in Mexico, it's seen through the cultural lens of witchcraft. So imagine if in America, when people saw lights in the sky or flying unknown phenomenon, it was associated more likely with witchcraft and with the activities of covens in communication with the devil. That is why I think it's an extremely fascinating aspect of the UFO, OVNI, research and um, and reality. Because simply in the southern portion of our very continent, there are active reports of flying witches, flying humans without vehicles, without technology. Without an extraterrestrial hypothesis or a connection with advanced military projects. Simply the pre-existing cultural knowledge and understanding of flying with satanic practice and dark arts. Very fascinating to me. Very, very fascinating particularly. Vampiro del Metro. The vampire of the metro station. There is a story that I have found that I hope answers this very quickly. The vampire and the man who fell asleep on the train. This is the urban legend as, it, as I have found it in English. A scary tale takes place in the last metro station on line 7, the orange line. The end of the line is a stop called Barranca del Muerto, which translated English means the ravine or gully of the dead. It basically means the the last valley, the last little place. This station bears the name because it was built near the site of a mass grave, a trench filled with the bodies of soldiers killed during the Mexican Revolution in the early part of the 20th century. It's only fitting that the area would be full of unsettled spirits. The famous legend involving Barranca del Muerto begins with the Muerto ends in the wee hours of the morning when all of the trains stop. A man who fell asleep in the train suddenly woke up to find that he was alone in the train car, and the train was parked in the tunnel for the night. He got out of the train and onto the tracks where he spotted two men fighting in the tunnel. One was taller than the other, and it looked like he was killing the shorter man. The man who fell asleep went over to the two men to try to break up the fight, and that was when he noticed that the taller man was biting the neck of the other man, which was bleeding profusely. The man screamed, Vampiro! And ran as fast as he could to the nearest police station. There he was met with ridicule, and accused of being drunk when he told his story to the authorities. Some say that its legend is based on a true story that the person was just witnessing a really bad drunken fight that ended in a man biting out another man's throat. The biting was not from a vampire, but from a a person Assaulting and killing another man. Others say that the story was concocted to scare younger people into paying attention while they are on the train. And to watch out for strangers. Another interpretation is this story was created by the police. To help justify further security on the train. Perhaps thoughts of vampires have kept many a Mexico City commuter upright and awake even on the last train stations. And that is Tier 4. That is the end of Tier 4. Now we are at the very, very deepest end of the ocean. The Mexican Ocean. The Gulf of Mexico. We are at the very deepest part of the Gulf of Mexico. And we are going to be continuing to read off these. The most obscure, deepest, cut, lore, legends, myths, urban legends, cryptids. Of Mexico. Okay, tier five. We are at the depths. Let us embark. This is the last stretch of the river sticks. Marchologos Gigantes. Marchologos Gigantes translates to giant bat. Ever since the Mayans, there have been reports in the many caves, in caverns. Of the mountains of Mexico of gigantic bats, even inspiring their god of the underworld, their god of death, Camazotz, which is depicted as a giant fearsome figure with the body of a man and the wings and head of a bat. This puts in perspective When I say giant bat, how big we are speaking of. Because bats typically are the size of mice. And at largest, the size of small cats. Those would be your flying foxes. So for something to be proportionally the size of a man... Wing spread, wing spans of these creatures have been recorded from anywhere between ten to thirty feet long. In their reports and reported sightings, they have been seen by locals, hunters, spelunkers, miners, Aztecs, Mayans, and across thousands of years of different time in history. They are still considered cryptids. Because no evidence has conclusively been found or admitted to by the governments of the Mexican Republic. Alacron Gigante de Durango. Or Durragon. Alacron Gigante means the giant scorpion. The Duragon is the location. Basically, this area of Mexico is known for its gigantic scorpions. And there are several legends revolving around them. But these scorpions are highly venomous and very large and yellow not the black scorpions imagine a yellow-bellied yellow-clawed scorpion with a very, very fat stinger on its tail there are even rumors of how large these creatures can get with even the realistic estimates putting them at 6 to 10 inches in length, and some reports have them over one foot in length. Gigantic scorpions of Duragon. A taco Is something that's on this list But I could not For the life of me Find what the hell they were talking about Although the name Being Asian Or Oriental Is um, something that reminds me That there is a complex And very obscure Current and past history Between Mexico and China with Chinese merchants and entire clans coming over the Pacific Ocean to form trading towns and colonies networks that were early companies, early corporations and spreading across the Mexican state and the western coast of America what is currently the United States when it was a Mexican colony and that Mexican trade caravans traders, shops influenced heavily the urban development of Mexico and forever connected them to international commerce and trade as an independent nation, no longer as a part of Europe. These chinos even have a Chinatown in several of the major cities and modern times offer a very strange internationalism with Mexican gangs like triads organized crime, and the CCP seeking influence in traditionally Mexican, independently Mexican areas, such as the Gulf Shore, Mexico City, and Oaxaca. But yes, no real information found on that, just that Mexico City has a deep, I'm sorry, Mexico has a deep and strange noir history with China. Oso Platiado, so, the Mexican grizzly bear. The Mexican grizzly bear, because when most people think of Mexico, they don't think endless forests of oak and pine. They think deserts, cactuses, things like that. But Mexico is, like I've said before, mostly an urban environment. Uh, sorry, mostly a high-altitude environment. Sorry, not mostly a rural environment, not urban mostly a rural environment mostly forested jungled in the south but in the mountains, in the high altitude areas the geography is very reminiscent to areas like Colorado the mariposa pine forests of Arizona and other rocky mountain type climates the grizzly bear which is local to the Rocky Mountains, in the spine of the Rocky Mountains, most southerly territories were Mexico. Mexico, oh, Sorry, not Mexico City, but just Mexico. Were Mexico. And that Mexico had a history of bear hunting and keeping locally captured bears in the local zoo. These were known as Oso Plate- Plateado and were known as the Mexican grizzly bear in history. These, these are absolutely real. These are not myths. These aren't rumors of uh, invasive species. These are absolutely native fauna, the Mexican grizzly bear. In fact, bears in Mexico and bears in Texas, because I, I'm obviously from Texas and I have that Texas perspective, are a very pronounced reality and tradition. Even naming the Corpus Christi Bay Oso Bay, which is its proper name is Oso Bay and our region, the Oso region, this is the city I'm from Corpus Christi, Texas, my local home city and the city I'm currently living in so Oso named after the local water bears spotted on the shore grizzly bears have the behavior of foraging on coastlines As reported in California I believe the bears That influenced the naming of Oso Bay In the Oso region that I live in Were the Mexican Grizzly Bear Otherwise known as the Oso Plateado Fantasma de Pachita. Once again, ghosts of Pachita. Okay, so Pachita is the pan, the dustpan. So this ghost, and I don't know why this is so deep in the lore, but I'm assuming because anyone who knows it must have had a very authentic Mexican-American, or Mexican upbringing. Not necessarily Mexican-American, but very authentically Mexican upbringing. Because it is a haunted dustpan and broom and this hand broom this dust broom or a real broom comes to life and sweeps up the children who are disobedient once again the theme of disobedient children and corrects them with a good walloping and embarrassment and sweeps them away to be thrown away and never seen again like refuse right like the dust and trash of a house I won't really elaborate more into that because that's the third time in this list, this iceberg list, that we've gone over disobedient children and ghosts that are angry with them and their disobedience and thus punish them with their ghostly behavior. El Atatolin. The El Atatolin is something that I had a lot of trouble finding. And I still don't think I actually found it. But while researching it, I think I found what it could be about because I have no real direct, like, this is the, the translation for this, this is what that word means type thing. Although, actually, let me look that up right now because I didn't really do that. L at Lin translation. Live radio, folks. Love that podcast. Although you're probably listening in the future, so really more just me being on the spot. Yeah, I don't think it has an English translation. To be honest, I do not think this word has a translation. Although it might be misspelled from the iceberg, but my research is pulling up nada. Yeah, I don't know what the, what really this is referring to, if not this. And so, did my best, guys. Really did. I Tolan. But what I found when I searched this up with the numbers, right? As like I said, I'm trying to find different translation services. I am getting bumpkiss nothing, zero, zilch nada on any kind of return for what a t- totlin is but what I found when I researched it and plugged it into various different search engines is the myth of the blizzard that the Mexican army encountered in Texas during their invasion and before the Battle of the Alamo the legend goes and I have no idea if this is what the word uh, toteland means, but, or the reference to that means, but this is what I found in replacement, so, so just think of that as this. In the winter of 1836, the state of Texas, being fought over by Mexicans in Santa Ana's army, and the Texas, you know, revolutionaries, had the coldest winter in its recorded history. Texas does get cold. Texas has... It's right in the range of polar vortexes. It has snow in northern and western Texas. It has a lot of cold weather. It does. In the winter, it's very brutal. Hot in the summer, cold in the winter. And in this story, in 1836, because it was almost divine intervention, the Mexican armies observed two nights. Where the temperatures dropped as low as 25 degrees from nearly 60 degrees, catching many of the Mexicans off guard and leading to the deaths of many horses, mules, men, and camp followers. And I guess that must be what they are referencing in that, because that was the clearest and only the closest, like the first, you know, results. It was only a one page of results, and that was the result that made the most sense as something and not just a name or, or institution or something. Yeah, two observers in 1836, William Fairfax Gray and Colonel Juan Almonte, both kept records of the weather in their journals. From their entries, information can be gathered that reveals the weather at the time of the battle. A cold front arrived on the evening. Exactly. And then it goes on to describe the actual blizzard itself as, as evidence for the blizzard. The Che Unik. The Che Unic can best be translated as forest ogres. And it says right here, I wonder how many cultures don't have cannibal ogres in their mythology or folklore. It's an enormous humanoid bent and walking with a tree for a walking stick. It is incredibly strong, but its legs are stiff, and it barely can move its knees. Its large feet face backwards, making it slow. The Che Unic, or jungle ogre, is a fearsome man-eater native to tropical forest regions of Mexico. They are boisterous and cruel creatures, and often terrorize any humans in their area. Che Unix are often in Mayan mythology defeated by clever young warriors oftentimes by forcing them to sit down or to knocking them over. So basically they're like your Mayan heroic equivalent Mayan mythological legendary equivalent of like a cyclops are like a giant in Jack and the Giant Slayer. It's this overwhelmingly gigantic brute force, you know, of nature that hates and is the enemy of men, of civilization. And civilization, which produces intelligent young men who are brave, um, you know, may not be the biggest and strongest, but are the smartest and the, the, you know, the fastest to think, the fastest uh, to find solutions, And they oftentimes destroy these ogres, giants, or cyclopses, as rites of passage. As, like, you know, as as to defend their home and as rites of passage to make them, you know, legendary. El Quatlicus. El Quatlicus is Mexican Bigfoot. Sometimes in the summer of 2011, in the old growth oh sorry, this is just the account of one. So when people think of Mexico, thick and seemingly endless mountain forests of oak and pine rarely come to mind. Remember what I said about the Mexican grizzly bear? In the central Mexican state of Puebla, such forests exist, and some are not thoroughly explored or mapped. As late as the mid-1800s, a northern third of the state of Puebla was called the Sierra Norte and was basically uninhabited. Many old-growth forests in this area remain untouched even today and protected by the government. Also, Puebla is home to three of Mexico's tallest mountains. Popocatépetl, Remember the volcano Popocopetl? Istacoatl and Pica de... Orizaba, also known as Quetlepetle. These tall mountains are perennially snow-capped and their respective environments are more reminiscent of the Himalayas or the Alps. Like I said, the Rocky Mountain Spine. Could these inaccessible and harsh environments also be the home of yet unclassified humanoids? Legends of such creatures called the quatlacus reach back into antiquity and have only recently received attention from cryptozoologists are those who study legendary and are previously unknown animals. Qualicus means forest guardian. And was reported even in Mayan and Aztec culture. Typical description, 7 to 9 feet tall, humanoid. With generally footprints and sightings being encountered without physical evidence being secured it is also known to have a language just very distinct grunts and howls and usually vocalizes its displeasure when humans are around it is also known to be violent and destroys vehicles and personal property as in the case of Hector Lopez who had a truck destroyed It has a jungle dwelling aspect in the south and the coastal lowlands, but this might be the same species simply migrating. A clay artifact dating 2,000 years found in the Mexican state of Campeche is nicknamed the Almec Ape and depicts a large, hairy, human-like creature. The Aztec or sorry the Spanish when conquering Mexico reported the Quenometsin as a race of hairy giants credited with building many of the cities with monumental architecture that exists at the ruins at the time. These hairy giants used to do battle with ordinary humans but were punished and exiled by the gods for their lack of reverence to them. Great calamities were brought upon the Quenometsin and their culture and civilizations were destroyed. Returning them to a more animalistic state. And that's actually documented as a real tribe that they discovered. The, the, the Spanish talked about them being gigantic, hairy, having built much of the civilization's roots, the foundations, in Mexico, but then being punished by their gods in the myth, in the myth cycles, And being returned to an animalistic state, not by man, but by gods, for punishment for their wars against men. Keep that in mind. The idea of the importance of man regardless of power structure. That there are other more powerful creatures on earth that get punished by even greater extraterrestrials when targeting and harassing and attacking man. No matter what the culture is. That seems to be the description of the history of the Yeti. The human Yeti war. Anomalies in la UNAM. UNAM is a university. I think it's the University of Mexico. The University of Mexico City. Basically the biggest university. The most influential. The most powerful uh, school in uh, Mexico City. It's haunted. Everything in Mexico is haunted. There are ghosts all over the fucking place. But the study of the anomalies de UNAM is that because it's a university and not a traditional Stone Age culture, basically, that Mexico has and no, no one respects, uh, you know, of witches and, and their superstitious, etc., uh, highly religious people, this is a university that's considered one of the best universities in the world. And they have scientific equipment and scientifically minded people, controlled laboratory settings and they've done experimentations. In fact, university professors continue to do experimentations regarding the paranormal there, including research of the anomalous in La UNAM, the ghost sightings, the readings, etc. It's basically college-sponsored ghost hunting in Mexico City. And the uh, most premier and largest university of the Republic of Mexico, there are ghosts and people study them. So yeah, that brings us to the end of this iceberg. Five tiers. One, two, three, four, five. Knocked out of the park. So thank you all very much for listening to me during this presentation. This is only part one. I will be including the second part as a separate upload. A little bit later today, while I go over um, a few videos and translate the, the conspiracies provided there that are specific to Mexico and uh you know continuing into the the theme of today the monday march 21st 2022 upload if you're listening to this in the future this is when we recorded it and everything and i'm just kind of like you know spinning my wheels thank you guys you got a, a lot of guts you're the greatest audience out there in dreamland iron sharpens iron a friend sharpens a friend if you've liked this recording check out the other ones check out the older ones in the archive definitely uh subscribe for exclusive content that is in the podcast uh format that i'm gonna be releasing into the future every week it's one exclusive episode uh, you know it's gonna be available only to you guys that subscribe definitely check it out the uh link tree slash beyond top secret texan link site so that you can get all the links to my social media etc check out instagram always posting on instagram um Love to have you guys on board joining the fun, commenting, etc. If you guys want to donate some cash, tip me, uh, pay me for my efforts, and just kind of say, hey, we appreciate it. Here's a fucking dollar, right? If you guys care if I live or die, eat or starve, definitely consider throwing a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars into the old tip jar there, the digital tip jar. Cash app, cash app money sign beyond top secret texan cash app beyond top secret texan one five ten keep it unmarked keep it low denomination hell give me a thousand dollars if you were but make sure um you know they can't be traced back because no i'm joking i'm absolutely joking on that but yeah if you want to give me a thousand dollars that'd be fucking amazing i would love you a long time so thank you very much beyond top secret texan cash app all one word lowercase Took away my Patreon. They took my job, those bastards, the me because I'm pro-Russian and pro-reality, pro-common-sense and pro-justice. So, thank you all very, very much. Those who will uh, contribute when when you can, I thank you in advance. Those that are contributing, I thank you right now. And those that have contributed, I will thank you always. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the Gulf Coast, the coast with the most... the third coast of texas uh, sorry. Uh, fuck that one up sorry I, don't know what I, need to, I need to wrap it up get the old cord i need to piss and get the hell out of here so thank you all very much broadcasting to you from the third coast the coast with the most the gulf coast of texas iron sharpens iron a friend sharpens a friend you guys are the greatest audience out there in dreamland namaste and shalom peace out god bless you and your families this year.